This week on Catching Up with Connor and Nick, we try our hardest not to talk about the Facebook leaks. Instead, we're talking about buying things on Instagram, the startup funding scene here in Seattle, and we go in a deep hole about VR and the new Ready Player One movie. Thanks a lot. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on Friday, March something, March 23rd. And this is Catching Up. I'm your host, Connor Kaysen. And as always, joined by my friend, Nick Hughes. Nick, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Connor. How are you? I cannot complain. I am a little overwhelmed and busy, but (laughs) that is always a good thing. Uh, So I try to like always turn that into, you know, a positive you know, when you have when you have things going, it's way better than sitting on my couch. For sure, for sure. Can you share a little bit of like what has you so scrambling and busy? Um, I just so this client service business, right? It's it's doing stuff. It's doing work for clients on the fly. So like, mm-hmm. I get a crazy text message at nine o'clock last night, and she's and and the client's like, I need to meet with you tomorrow so we can make these final changes to the website you're working on, so we can get it out this weekend. Um, because the founders want to see it on Monday. And it was just like, I got a packed day. Like you can't, it's, <laughs> it's hard to say we need to meet in person. Yeah. When, right. The night before kind of when I have all these clients and, and it's not a big enough client, right. They're not paying, paying me enough, you know, over the last two months, it's been just under 20 hours of work. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you're, you're, you don't have the priority. Uh, but uh, I, said yes let's meet up and I, I kind of moved some things around I said I have this podcast from 9 to about 9 30 and if you show up at 9 40 I can give you an hour of my time and then I got to get out of there and so it all worked out but it's just kind of like dang it I got to go sit at a Starbucks and record this podcast like this was the week I was so excited I was gonna be at home I was gonna make my coffee in the morning like make breakfast you know sit in my office and do the podcast and once again, it was like, nope, you got to go do it from a coffee shop. Nah, yeah. <laughs> well, what about you? How was your week? Uh, my week's, week's good, man. You know, like last week, we, you know, I took, I took the call from Vegas, which was awesome. But man, you know, this is not even a topic that I really want to cover. But I, I, I noticed that, you know, as a founder and running your own company, it's great because you d- dictate your schedule. But the downfall is like, dude, when I was down there, I had a little anxiety about what, you know, missing, missing work or like missing, you know, the emails that were piling up. So I like occasionally just, you know, swipe through my phone and, and do, um, you know, the literally three days taking a break, it got to me and I'm like, man, this is not good. Right. Like this is, but it's also, it shows that, you know, when you're, when you're in the fight and you know, founders lives growing, we're, we're massively growing and it's like, there's things that I need to do. And so it, it shows that, you know, when you're pulled to the company, that's a good thing. But there's also the downside, which is, dude, sometimes just break, you know, have that break and appreciate it, which I did. Um, but, you know, so coming back this week, just getting back into it and had a lot of meetings and, and I, I now feel way back to normal. And, you know, I'm caught up in all the meetings I need to have and all that's good stuff. But that's an interesting dynamic between being away and trying to enjoy your trip and, and like being pulled to the company. 
Yeah. And so I know we usually cover this at the end of the show, but I figured if we're losing anyone, let's talk about it in the front of the show this week. Uh, what, what do you have going on as far as live events on Founders Live this last week? Uh, so we had this last week uh, on Wednesday, we had um, we had Austin and they had their event. Sounds like it looked like it was a, a great event and um, really cool pitches coming out of that. And then yesterday, uh, last night, there was Dallas and Denver. Wow. Uh, had the events. And yeah, if you go, if you go on to found, or if you go on to um, like Twitter and you search like just hashtag founders live, you can start to see like, you know, there's a lot of things popping up, you know, from these events, which is really cool seeing the pictures and um, that cool stuff. But yeah, we had a couple events this last week and then next Monday, Vancouver launches. So first event in Vancouver and then, Oh my gosh, everywhere. I know it's crazy. And then uh, Seattle is uh, next Thursday and that'll be huge. That's that's amazing, Nick. Yeah. I'm I'm just so excited for you to like hear all of those cities to have all these events. That's just incredible. Dude, it's yeah, it's it's fun, man. It's really fun to see coming together. Yeah. And so nice, uh, Nick. How about you start us off with with your topic of of the week? Yes, you know this this in in one way pertains only to Seattle, but I think there's a larger conversation here. But you know, Geekwire had an article come out. You know. Clearly, they just like to stoke the fire every so often and get some page views. But they write, um, you know, really the title of the article is what's wrong with the Seattle startup scene. And, um, you know, the bigger conversation is, you know, Seattle is just a it's a hotbed for for talent, for development, for, um, you know, a lot of technical talent. But, you know, and then there's a lot is great startup scene. But what is lacking is funding. And so you know, this article really, really was hitting on like, why, you know, why is what's wrong, which is the lack of capital. And why is that still an issue? And what can we done about it? And um, so, you know, I just want to ask you, you know, and I can give my opinion. But first of all, like, you know, we've been in the startup community for a while. Like, do you have a comment on what's wrong with the startup scene here in I, Seattle at all? I've, I've got lots of comments. <laughs> Uh, like what, when, when you put this up as the topic, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be heated because, uh, yeah, because because it, it's extremely lacking. And even even the article by GeekWire, the the three investors that they put up there, they're just like the same three people yeah. over and over and over again. And I think the article really shows the lack of support within the community because mm-hmm. it's the same three people. You hear these names. Um, and I, yeah, I really, what I agreed the most with what GeekWire had to say was the thing in Seattle is people want to come here and it's an employee city, right? The the dream is to go work for Amazon and Microsoft and have this cush job and make six figures and like live in your house or your apartment or whatever. And like, and do your thing, right. And explore the city or, or whatever you like to do for fun. And there isn't this big startup founder ecosystem because that's just not the culture and then when it comes to investment and at the last startup that i was at you know for four years what i always was angry at and i kind of took this out on the founders i was like all right we've had all these people write us checks but i've only seen one of them once in four years ever come into the office Hmm, and so all of these people who are writing checks in the city aren't actually actively engaged in any of these companies mm-hmm. and, and that just shows to me and, and and this is a very broad generalized statement but 
a lot of the investors just don't come from startup backgrounds. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's because we haven't created a lot of rocket ships where people <laughs> took off and in a couple of years IPO'd or sold and made a lot of money and decided to reinvest back in the community. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of legacy people who are lawyers or come from family money. Uh, we just haven't had a lot of that investment come back to us and yeah i I thought that comparison to massachusetts right they have like 10x on that billion dollar number of how much investment from vc funding has been put into the state compared to ours and it's just kind of uh i hate to say the word pathetic but (laughs) uh yeah it's just been really difficult and i i experienced that a lot yeah uh, it's it's sad I'm the same way. And, you know, it's crazy. We have the two wealthiest people in the world here in Seattle. We have a number of billionaires that are in the top 50 or 100. And the capital is so locked up in other directions or like just not deployed. And I'm, I'm not saying, you know, you know, we're very biased. We're here in, as founders and startups and, you know, we're building these things. And, and yet, you know, it's like, a lot of the capital is being pointed different directions and man, if just $500 million or a billion dollars was pointed towards early stage entrepreneurship and, and founding of new companies, that's not happening in Seattle. And not at all. And that's a billion of a hundred, maybe actually a total of probably $250 billion that's here from a select few people. Like that is just, that would make all the difference. And, and, um, but yeah, I think in the end, you know, and you know, we, we could probably spend the whole, the whole time here today on this, but the, in the end, and this applies to other cities, but in the end, there's actually not enough, um, uh, experienced founders that have had exits that can then recycle the, their capital into the next generation. And what, like you said, help, you know, mentor, um, uh, you know, really help grow those new startups into, I mean, it's just generational, right? So it's like, we just, Seattle is just younger than Silicon Valley and Boston in the way that um, the, the new investment money comes from existing founders or people that know the path. And so I think that that's a big issue here. Um, you know, I, one of the great things is Seattle is one of the best cities in the world. Um, you know, and there is, you know, things like Founders Live and other things. That's why I started Founders Live is to hopefully in, you know, improve the early stage environment to help that money come in. But, um, yeah, you know, in the end, I'll just close by saying it makes me wonder what other cities deal with when Seattle, a world-class city and has capital is struggling like this. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, it it makes me even appreciate, uh, not to to, toot your horn, but just what you're trying to do with Founders Live. Because the word mentor, I think, is so important, and that's really lacking in this ecosystem. Yeah, agreed, um, agreed. And so I did promise that this week we weren't going to talk about Facebook leaks because you can go anywhere on the internet and read <laughs> about that. Uh, but I did want to talk about a rollout of a Facebook uh, company, Instagram, because they just rolled out to a bunch of other countries the shopping feature within Instagram. And personally, I think this is a really big deal. Because Instagram is getting over 800 million monthly active users, and I think it's 500 million daily active users. That's crazy, man. And and I think it's the number one social platform that's out there right now um, because it's highly engaged. People are having conversations, and and, people are making tons of money on this platform. And 
the success of Pinterest with buying things really, I think, points to me that there's a lot of potential for Instagram to make a lot of transactions, especially because health and wellness and fashion are such big verticals on the platform. So my question for you, Nick, like, do you, do you ever think about buying anything when you're on Instagram? And do you think you'll ever buy something on, through Instagram? I don't think about buying right now, but I can tell you that I could, I, I could see it happening. And I, I think the reason why in, in this article it really mentions, like, I mean, the fact is Instagram is based on visual, you know, just visual, either uh, photos or videos. And that plays, I mean, that's, you know, when you're, when you're shopping online, it's all purely visual to start with. So I think the medium, the medium uh, plays itself well to shopping. My only thoughts are, dude, it has to be as simple as the one click with Amazon. And if that's the case, if that's the case, we're going to be shopping a lot on, on Instagram. And I think once you, you know, you can start tagging, like if you look at a model or a, a woman and it might just be even a person, you know, an average Jane that posts a photo and all of a sudden through machine learning, all of a you know, it pulls what that product that she's wearing is. And then it syncs to where you can purchase it online and you just hit click purchase, bam, like that, for sure will change shopping, I believe. Yes, and if that happens, it's game over. <laughs> yeah. Because people are going to be drunk buying everything. Oh, uh, I mean, just like how people go on late at night and buy from Amazon, mm-hmm. it, it's going to be really interesting. I will be surprised to see, Not, I don't want to tie in Facebook here, but since t- Facebook owns all the data and you have to set up your store through Facebook to syndicate it through Instagram, I am curious to see how that's going to shake out with people wanting to give their information Totally. Uh, over there but i am waiting uh, and i i maybe it's a good idea maybe it's a terrible idea but who's gonna start the qvc for social media yeah with with all this live streaming i don't know why we why the Q, qvc for the internet hasn't become a big thing it's a really and, good that's a really good point man right especially with instagram like live and how the how the timeline works like just do a one minute pitch Right. Like you have your elevator pitch, you pitch the product and you say we have a thousand of them. Click on the link and buy the thing until we run out. Like, I just think it's got so much potential. And if you have something to sell consistently. Right. So you're going to need something every day, three things a day. I think there's a huge potential for just someone to just straight right hook on every pitch, because I say I have a limited quantity. I have a good price on it. And here's where you can get it. I think it's a really good idea. Yeah, that's I, I really like that. I think it's interesting, and it's uh, there. There is no QVC for the internet or social platforms, and you know whether it whether it's within or on Instagram or others build it. I could see that happening in the next five five years, probably. Yes, maybe I should think about that idea a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so, go ahead. Oh yeah, so I was going to say on another topic, something kind of. Uh, semi-related to tech, but what I'm really looking forward to this next week is this movie, Ready Player One. And in 2016, I think I read 15 fiction books, and this was by far my favorite book yep. that I read. Um, and so the, the premise of the book is it's in you know the far future where all of society operates in a virtual reality. So they've kind of depleted a lot of the resources in the physical world, And so jobs and school and pretty much all of life happens in this virtual reality. 
And just like the internet, like the virtual reality is limitless. So every character in a movie, every world created in a book, all have their own planets that you can like get in a ship and fly to and go to all these places. So you can pretty much live in any fiction you've ever thought. Dude, and that's it, crazy. It's, it is wild. The book is fantastic because the author is obsessed with 80s pop culture. So there's a lot of 80s pop culture references. But to, to move forward, the creator of this VR world is he passes away and he creates a quest. He says, you have to find three keys that open three gates and whoever can open all three gates wins ownership of this world, right? Immediately becomes the richest person in the universe. Uh, And so it's about this protagonist and really the rest of the world trying to find these keys. And there's all these eighties pop culture references and the movie just looks visually stunning. Early reviews are it's, you know, it's a visual movie he only has to find one key and go through one gate. So I know it's going to be very limited compared to what the book is. But if mm-hmm. you have time and you're into reading fiction books, I highly suggest reading it because it is just like an extremely fun adventure. Dude, I, I, I'm excited to, you know, as it comes out as well. And I think, you know, throwing a question your way, which is um, and this, you know, I, I'm fine with talking for the rest of the time on this topic because I think it's really interesting, which is at, if you were going to give an estimation at what, how many years in the future would we be for this actually to take place? Like the concept of we have VR, because, dude, I'm a little concerned about VR in the sense that it really could warp. Like, I mean, what you just described, if that is a true life, that's freaking crazy that it's like everyone is in this VR world and they can travel. And it's like reality is totally different than what physical reality is. Um how long into the future do are we, or how long is it going to take to get there? I I really think it's going to be thirty to forty years, because the adoption is really what's going to take a long time, and even with our generation who's so familiar with technology, I think in twenty twenty five thirty years, our generation is going to be really resistant to getting on there, and so. Really similarly to what's going on now, where there's kind of a, a digital divide between generations, and, mm-hmm. and, that, and that gap is being bridged. But I think that's going to happen as well when the world starts happening like this, because the internet's just expanding. And, and to, to tangent a little bit, I can just never stop thinking about Dave Chappelle's uh, skit where he talks about what if the internet was real, uh, <laughs> and he's walking through a mall, and all these pictures are coming up, uh, kind of web 1.0 style. Um, but, but back on the point, I think there's going to be a bunch of young people who are going to be jumping into this VR world and they are going to be making a living uh, and doing all new things that the physical world is really going to reject for a long time. And then something will happen where just like Twitch, like Drake goes into the virtual reality and then he comes <laughs> out and it's like, oh, Drake just made a billion, you know, digital dollars because he went in there and everyone watched what he was doing or he put on a show in virtual reality and and then everyone will start adopting it a little bit but i still think it's pretty far away uh, but just to think to to have a physical representation of the internet is really interesting to me uh because that does seem like it's going to be it's going to happen eventually but just what is that going to look like who's going to design it and and who's going to get the investment to build it definitely not going to happen here in seattle Dude, it's crazy because um, the 
so think about this for a second. The iPhone is 11 years old. Okay. And we, before we had the iPhone, there was about five years there where like quote smartphones were like, you know, the sidekick or even the razor or like whatever. Oh yes. Um, so what has changed in just 10 years? Uh, things are only speeding up. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say 20 years out. 20 years. I don't think it's 30 to 40. I think it's 20 years, dude, because, you know, so in 2038, dude, I think this is prevalent. And that's a crazy thing to think about. Uh, my question is how, how will society adopt it and uh, accept it? You know, social norms, that sort of thing. Will, will people just, and especially young kids, will they just be laying in their room and like have this headset on and like the whole day they're just living in a different world maybe socializing there, but physically they're literally like isolated in the, in the cell, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like that's, that's not healthy and that's not human. So um, I think that that's the, the interesting things that we have to grapple with and learn over the next 15, 20 years is how, how is society going to actually accept it? And, and then, you know, like, are, are you, you can then be a new person and a new personality and have a different, you know, look and body type um, in that world versus, um, real world. So I I think it's, it's an absolute, it is a world changer, dude. It's like a total, it, I think that's, that is the like right hand turn in our society is like, if, if that becomes a norm, I think our society is totally changed. Oh yeah. And, and when, when you're saying that first statement, I, it sounds like school would be the best place to transition, right? Like take all these young kids, uh, the whole school system is kind of falling apart. And what if they could just be at home and put them in a VR headset and they could go to class and jump in and out? I know, I know school is also kind of like a, a quote unquote daycare system. So parents can go to work while kids go to, <laughs> to one central place. But yeah. I think, I think the school environment is this is going to be the biggest disruption of school because now kids can really just from anywhere transport in and just imagine like, the how universal or how global the world is actually going to become when a kid from anywhere in the world can meet another kid here from Seattle and yeah. they can have interactions in their own language because it translates it for them. And then, you know, they can have one teacher or multiple teachers who just really like plug in and can teach them there. It really is going to provide some really unique opportunities. Uh, like the more I think about it, there's so much good potential for it. But right. then there's all the downsides, right? Like your physical body still needs to go get exercise. Yeah, so no joke. So there'll have to be some requirement like, all right, when you go to PE, like you unplug and you have to go run for an hour or something yeah. like that. Um, almost so like I've, you have to do this physical activity to qualify to get into the virtual reality. So that's a really good idea. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout out a Seattle startup. They're called Doghead Simulations. And they do this exact thing, but it's focused on remote, com- like remote workers around the world for companies. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, imagine you have a distributed team, uh, maybe 10 people, and they're like in eight or 10 different countries. And they have a VR experience where you can have your, quote, stand-up meeting literally in the VR room. Um, I've tried it before. It's amazing. And dude, it's so crazy. It like you put it on and 
all of a sudden you're in this space and you're walking around and you're like seeing the other people in the room and you're talking to them and you can like on the wall, you just pull up and there's like, there can be a screen that that's, that's the internet. I mean, you can have, wow. that's, that's like a huge screen, which you can, it's a browser and you can um, look at things and it's fully immersive. It's really cool. So, so they're doing this already for specifically companies that have distributed and remote teams so that they, they're not just having a Slack, you know, stand up meeting yes. or, um, you know, a phone call, you know, they're actually like physically like, or in virtual virtual physical yeah. virtual physically meeting which is amazing and so i think that's a leading indicator of of where this is going to be used initially and the you know it's I, this is where i i do fall into like dude they're solving a problem that's it's not vr for just for the hell of it it's actually vr for a purpose that is actually solving a problem to connect people that are around the world that need to talk they need to do business they need to do that. So I think that that's interesting. It's a very much a leading indicator of where things are going. Oh, I'm so excited. We could have a whole episode talking about the potential of VR and, and where it's heading. Um, but that is it for this week here at Catching Up on the Anchor podcast. Thank you to everyone who is listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Anchor or wherever it is that you like to listen to audio. We appreciate you. Uh, Nick, you have any parting words, people you want to shout out, anything you want to say? to kick off the weekend i'll just say uh have a good weekend if you're in seattle come check out founders live seattle next thursday um if you're anywhere else in the world go to founderslive.com and say hi wonderful and i'm sure next friday we will be talking about the winner of the seattle founders live uh next thursday awesome thank you very much nick and we'll talk to you soon see you I'm not going to be able to do that.